0: Man, Thank you, guys. Well, good morning. Good morning. There we are. It's good to see y'all. Good to see a full house today. Um, today is Commitment Sunday. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on in the sermon, but you'll notice that the order of things is a little different as well, and we'll be talking to you more about that here shortly. Um, we started a series last week that we're going to roll through the month of January, maybe into February a little bit, called Spiritual Gifts. And uh, I went hunting through the scriptures this past week. By the way, I've cried twice today already. Might be one of those kind of days. But anyhow, I was roaming through the scriptures and looking for a a person in the scriptures that had great gifts, extreme gifts, right? That seemed to really be gifted of the Lord. And uh, I found such a person in Judges chapter 16, Judges chapter 16, so if you have your Bibles, you can flip over there, or you can follow along with us on the screen here in just a little bit when we read. Does anybody know who's talked about in Judges chapter 16? Jeopardy question, here it is. Survey says, everybody knows, that's right, Samson, that's Samson, I know that's a tough one. Samson's talked about in the Bible, he's the strong man, right? He's the guy that could beat up lots of folks. Um, on one occasion, um, he, uh, he tore a lion apart with his bare hands. I mean, that's a gift, don't you think? <laughs> Um, He beat up 100 Philistines, killed 100 Philistines in battle all by himself with the jawbone of a donkey. Again, that's not something he did just because he had gone to the gym a couple of times that week. Um, He was an extraordinarily, supernaturally gifted person. And so I want to take a look at his life a little bit as an example of somebody who was extraordinarily gifted. Now, in Samson's life, when we get to Judges chapter 16, he meets up with this gal named Delilah. And she's been kind of bad news for Samson from the time that they met but uh, anyhow, they're 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 together, and, and Delilah keeps asking him, "What's the source of your power? How is it that you're so strong, Samson?" And so he feeds her these lines about, "Well, if you take some rope and you rope and you and you wrap me up uh, with some fresh twine, uh, when I when I wake up in the morning, I'll have lost all my strength." And so. She, during the night, gets some fresh twine, and she wraps him up while he's sleeping. I'm sure he's maybe you know, one eyeball open, like, ha-ha. And then he wakes up in the morning, and he busts out of the twine, and she had some people hiding behind the curtain that were going to jump him. And he beats them up and runs them out of the house. And then the next time she comes in, she says, oh, you, were, you shouldn't have done that to me. You know, you were pulling one over on me. And, uh, and so he, she says, what is really the source of your strength? And so she, he feeds her another line, and she tries that. doesn't work out. Feeds her another line three times, that doesn't work out. And then we come to the fourth time, fourth and final time, that she comes in and says, look, uh, do you love me or not? Are you going to tell me the source of your strength? And so that brings us to Judges chapter 16. If you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's word, Judges chapter 16, we'll be reading verses 15 through 20, uh, picking up here with the fourth time Delilah comes to him, Judges chapter 16 and verse 15. Here we go. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart—something like that, hang on just a second. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head— For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lord of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on their knees. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. You may be seated. All right. Uh, I know that's a little bit of lengthy stuff, but you got, the, got what's going on there, Delilah. Fourth time she comes to Samson. He tells her the real story, how the real source of his strength. If he ever shaves his head, if he ever cuts his hair, zap, all of his strength is gone. Um, I want to come back to that story in just a little bit. But before we get to that story, I want to just take a moment to talk about or define for you what a spiritual gift is. It would be helpful in our series about the spiritual gift if we define what the spiritual gifts are. And so I've got a working definition for you here. We're going to bring it up on the screen of what a spiritual gift is. Here's what it is. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to perform supernatural ministry for Jesus Christ. Now we need to analyze that definition, so I'm going to break it down into three parts, three questions that that definition addresses. The first question is, what is the source of every spiritual gift? Well, that definition that we just saw said that it is a God-given ability. God gave you this gift. It's not something that you earned. It's not something that you asked for. It's not something that you prayed for. It is something that God gave you. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says, that everyone among us ought not to think of himself more highly than he should, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned him. And he's talking in this chapter all about spiritual gifts that God has assigned to each of us these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 11 says that when it comes to spiritual gifts, all these are empowered by the one and same spirit who apportions to each one of us individually the uh, and the Holy Spirit, as he, the Holy Spirit, decides. And then a few verses later, verse 18 says that God has arranged the members of the body, individual believers in Christ, each one of them as he chose. They're talking about spiritual gifts. So these verses confirm to us that God gives us these gifts, that he has arranged these gifts individually for each of us to have, that God gave them. God gives these gifts sovereignly. God gives these gifts directly to you. You may want a certain gift, You may lobby for a certain gift. You may pray for a certain gift. But, friends, none of that has any bearing on what gift you get. God makes this decision. He makes the decision all by himself. They are God given. So, second, what are the nature of these gifts? They are God given abilities. What is the nature of them? They are supernatural gifts. They are not natural talent, they are not natural abilities that you have. These are abilities that you have because of the Holy Spirit. Friends, at any time that you're using your, your spiritual gift, you are involved in a supernatural happening. When a person is using their spiritual gift properly, the Spirit of God himself is supernaturally flowing through that person, the Spirit of God is supernaturally touching lives at a level deeper than any natural talent could possibly touch. I don't know if any of you all have ever been involved in prison ministry before, if you've ever been to a prison before, maybe you're there visiting some folks at the prison, and one of the things that prisons have is they have on staff, or I don't know what the retainer I, you might call it, are psychiatrists, and the psychiatrists will come in, and they'll sit down, and they'll talk with the, uh, with the prison or with prisoner, with the inmates, and they'll have conversations with them, and they'll talk about them talk with them about different things they've got going on in their life, talk with them about some of their problems. Um, But in many cases, when the psychiatrist is finished with that appointment, the prisoner is pretty much the same person after the appointment as they were before the appointment, right? Uh, Nothing has internally changed on the inside of them. They may temporarily feel a little bit better about things, uh, but they haven't had a substantive change deep down on the inside. Now, one of our church members, Walt Light, where's Walt? At? Walt's around here somewhere. Walt, cooking Walt. He cooked this morning. All the way in the back. There you go. Walt helps out with prison ministry. He's involved with a group of people that go to a prison, and they serve there. And uh, you unleash a guy like Walt in the prison talking to the very same prisoner that the psychiatrist had just talked to about the very same problems. And, all, and what Walt witnesses is a dramatic, deep down on the inside, supernatural fallout not just in the life of that one individual that he's speaking with, but in the life of all the prisoners around them and the folks in the jail cells next to them and the whole whole prison. You see, when Walt and his ministry team go in with their gifts of evangelism, there are people who give their lives to Christ. Why? Because a supernatural gift has been unleashed in that conversation between him and the person that he's talking to. Um, And people who are backslidden believers repent of that and turn back toward the Lord. Why? Because a supernatural gift has been unleashed in a conversation with that person. The Holy Spirit is flowing through Walt and his team and working in the hearts and minds and the souls deep down of the people that they're ministering with. Um, One person went in there with natural gifts, right? And they got what natural gifts can result with. Another person went in with supernatural gifts and they got the kind of deep down heart change, soul change that supernatural gifts uh, render. Think of it this way. The songs of Gershwin, y'all know who Gershwin is, a great uh, composer. Gershwin can make people applaud, but the songs of people like Chris Tomlin and Carrie Jobe and Fanny Crosby can make people repent. Because Gershwin wrote in the power of his natural talent, while people like Tomlin and Jobe and Fanny Crosby wrote in the power of their supernatural gifts from God, where do gifts come from? What is their source? They're God given abilities. What is the nature of these gifts? They are supernatural gifts. Finally, what is their purpose? They are God given abilities to perform supernatural ministry for who. Jesus Christ. Is it up there on the screen? All right, there you go. You can't read it. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, Anyhow, for Jesus Christ. As we said last week, the purpose of spiritual gifts is for serving others, for building up the church, and for advancing the kingdom of God, and for promoting the Lord Jesus. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10 says this. Peter writes, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Friends, the only valid, the only proper use of any of the gifts that God has given us is to advance the glory of God, is to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're using your gift for anything else, you're using that gift wrong. If you're using your gift of mercy in order to build accolades and honor for yourself, uh, you're using that gift wrong. If you're using your gift of giving, God didn't give it to you so that you could win the applause of men as being a great philanthropist. God gave you the gift of giving so that you could use it as a blessing on behalf of the Lord. To sum up, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not natural abilities that you and I have, like playing the piano or being a good athlete or being a good public speaker or having a generous personality. These are not spiritual gifts. They are merely natural abilities or natural talents. Instead, a spiritual gift is a God-given ability to perform supernatural ministry for Jesus Christ. That's what spiritual gifts are. And I know that leaves you asking this question, the most important question. What difference does all this make to my life? You say, Gordon, I mean, I appreciate what you're sharing here this morning, but I don't even know if I have one of these gifts, and, and, and I wouldn't know what to do with it if I had it. Uh, and I don't know what it is that I've got. So uh, what difference does any of this make to me? Well, that's a great question. Let's see if we can answer that together. First of all, let me say that if you have entered into a real and personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that you have a spiritual gift. The Bible confirms this. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, talking here about the outworking of the Spirit, talking here about spiritual gifts. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about. To each is given these for the common good. This verse declares that every believer in Jesus Christ, every Christian, has one of these gifts. Skip on down to verse 11. It says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually As he wills. Again, we see the scripture, what it said earlier, that it is every believer that has one of these spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, again, we read it earlier, it says, As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another. And then he goes on to talk about some of these gifts. Friends, the word of God is airtight on this topic, that we each and every one of us have one of these gifts. If you are a Christian, you have at least one spiritual gift you probably have more, but you have at least one gift that God has given you to serve the church and to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. You may not know what it is. It may be lying dormant in your life, but if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, it is there. You've got it. Now, if you are not a believer, If you're here this morning, you would say, Gordon, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm curious about it, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then you have not been given one of these gifts. Because one of the things that happens when you become a believer, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 says that that do you not know that your body, your physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, a temple is where God lives, that our physical bodies have become temples where God lives, that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, not only does God wash the sins clean of your heart, and put a spot for you and hold your spot for you in heaven. But in addition to that, the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of you. So you can't have a Spirit, you will, gift, right? It's a Spirit, Holy Spirit gift. That's why they call them spiritual gifts, right? Because they come from the Holy Spirit. You cannot have a Spirit, Holy Spirit gift if the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside of you, right? And so that's something for you to think about. If you're here today, you've never put your faith and trust and the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross, and you'd say, you know what, not only would I like to have my sins forgiven, not only would I like to go to heaven someday, but boy, I sure would like one of those spiritual gifts. Well, friends, we'll give you an opportunity to do that here in just a little while. You say, Gordon, I'm a believer, and I've got a spiritual gift. I see the Word of God saying that, but again, what difference does this make to my life? Well, that takes us back to Samson. Remember how strong this guy was? He killed 100 Philistines. Um, Another occasion it said that he caught 300 foxes. He was really fast, apparently. Tied some of their tails together, watched them run around. Uh, Tore a line apart with his bare hands. Really gifted guy. This was not natural talent. Um, I'd like to see LeBron James catch a fox, much less 300, right? This is way beyond natural talent. Um, But when he told Delilah his secret to his strength and he allowed sin to come into his life, And told her that he had never cut his hair before if he she cut his hair if he cut his hair then he'd lose all of his strength look at what happened judges chapter 16 verse 20 we read it earlier It says while he was asleep delilah said the philistines are upon you samson the philistines are upon you middle of the night samson darts up out of bed he awoke from his sleep with his head shaved didn't know it middle of the night wasn't paying attention And he thinks to himself, I'll go out like the other times, as I had done before when I would fooled her, and I'll shake myself free or whatever thing she's done, and I'll go out and take care of these Philistines. Watch what happened, though. It says, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. What a significant statement. You see, as a result of sin, he told the secret. As a result of what he had done with Delilah, the Spirit of God had moved out. The source of his strength, the real source, of his, real source of his strength had left him. Samson had all this great giftedness, but without the Spirit of God there indwelling him, empowering that, the gift was worthless. It didn't produce. In fact, when you look at verse 21, it says that the Philistines seized him and gouged his eyes out, and brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with bronze shackles. This is not the same guy who killed a hundred Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. It says that, they, that he ground wheat at the mill in the prison, so they put him on one of these turnstiles, right, where he just had to walk the turnstile, and it, the mills, the, the rocks, or the stones were working together. They'd throw the grain in there, and it would grind the, grind the grain or grind the corn, and... Uh, like in a common ox. I mean, it was a humiliating experience for Samson. Day and night he would do this, walk in that millstone, walk in that grinding wheel. You say, Well, what happened? Did God take his gifts away? No, God didn't take his gifts away. The Holy Spirit of God that empowered those gifts departed from Samson. Instead, God filling or the filling of the Holy Spirit came away from him. And without the Holy Spirit filling his life, Samson could have all the gifts in the world. But without the Holy Spirit empowering it, the gifts just didn't function. The gifts wouldn't work. They were useless. That's why, they're call, that's why they're called spiritual gifts, because the Holy Spirit wasn't there to empower those gifts. You know, over the years, God has shown me what my gifts are. Um, I have a gift of teaching. No big shock, right? Um, I have a gift of mercy. Um, And I'll tell you, I mean, they're pretty neat gifts. I love to be able to use those gifts. I love to see the Holy Spirit of God working through me to touch the lives of other people as I use those gifts. But one thing that I become very aware of every single Sunday morning when I walk through here, I have an experience, either I'm standing up here singing or I'm walking through the halls before church or I'm down in my office going over some things. And I become very aware that if I'm not in a close, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, that the gifts that I have are worthless. That I'm just up here like clanging cymbals and tinkling brass. That I'm uh, I'm just up here in my flesh doing my best, but not empowered by God's Spirit. You say, then how do I get to where my gifts are bearing fruit and operating in my life? And that's the real question, right? How do we get to a place where the gifts that God has given us are producing on God's behalf. Well, Aaron's got one down here next to him. Aaron, can you hold that up for everybody? There you go. Hold it up backwards so they can see it. What you got in your hand, Aaron? Okay, so he's given us some of the particulars. That's your commitment card, right? He's already uh, talked today, by the way. He shared it at the Men's Fellowship. Good man. Um, So, yeah, so we've got our commitment cards, and y'all receive those on your way in today. Um, The Little K kids and the Kidmo kids have got their little version, a little green piece of paper that they've got, and then the teenagers have got their own version uh, that Kenny has prepared for them. And so I'm not going to go through all the details of what's on these cards. Some of it has to do with having a daily quiet time. Some of it has to do with spending some time in prayer. Some of it has to do with going on a short-term missions trip. We've got a trip to Romania. We've got a trip to Clayton. Did I say Clarkston? Sorry, Clarkston. Uh, later on this, this year. Um, we've got stuff where you'll be praying for lost friends and family members. Got lots of different things. You can see some of these on the screen or you can see them in the card that you've got there in front of you. All of these items are designed for you to get in a place where you can get intimate with the Lord where the Holy Spirit of God can speak to your heart and soften your heart so that your gifts can be right there at the ready when it's time for you to use them. That's what this card is all about. These are just intentional steps that you and I can take. Ways that we can position ourselves to get quiet before God. Ways that we can position ourselves to hear his voice. Um, If you want some more time to think about these cards, you're, you're welcome to do that. Maybe you weren't prepared when you came today to take your card and submit your card. But if you're ready today to turn those in and you bring that with you when you come forward for communion, you can place it right here in the little basket up here at the front. Um, These are going to be on display all around the church. The kids are going to be on display down in the kids area. There's a bulletin board that we built out here in the main lobby, off the main lobby, where these are going to be on display all year long. So if you want a lot of accountability all this year, go ahead and write your name down on it. (laughs) Otherwise... Uh, just leave your name off of it, and you're just turning this in. This is just something between you and the Lord. But we're going to give you a little bit of time here in just a moment to think about which of the items on the card that you would like to circle, and then our kids from Little K and from Kidmo are going to march down the aisle. They're going to turn in their stuff in the basket up here at the front, and then we'll invite you all to come forward um, as part of our communion today. Let's bow our heads together, and then you take a few moments to think about your card. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We recognize that it is a new beginning, that it is an opportunity for each of us to say, we want more of you in our life, Lord. We want your Holy Spirit to be alive and vibrant and working through us. We have some stuff on the inside of our hearts, Lord, that we need you to deal with. And over the course of this year, as we take these steps, we're going to trust, Lord, that you're going to set things right. Lord, there's some stuff that's going to surprise us this year. Some relationships that are going to be healed. Some people that are going to come to Christ. Lord, we're anxious. We're excited. We're excited but it all starts today. We just ask, Lord, in these quiet moments as we sit with these cards and look at these items that we would listen to your Holy Spirit now speaking to us, prompting us to say, take a step. Be intentional. Lord, we submit these quiet moments to you. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.